Hi, and welcome back to Pick Me, Choose Me, and Podcast Me, a podcast by the Twisted Sisters. Usually in an episode, we break down episodes of Grey's Anatomy. However, this week's a little bit different. As we can't actually meet up to record a new episode due to the updated restrictions in Alberta due to COVID, I'm uploading an episode alone. And this is a bonus episode because it's not actually about Grey's Anatomy. This one is about the Wakefield fraud. This is about the scientific ethics crossed and the fraudulent article linking the MMR vaccine to autism. So I'm hoping you guys find it just as interesting as I do. So sit back and enjoy and listen to how lies in the scientific community can have such detrimental effects to everyday society. Do vaccines cause autism? It's been a question floating around the public for a while, instilling fear in the hearts of those without a background in science. In 2020, the question seems to be asked more and more frequently as discussions evolve around the COVID-19 vaccination. But where did this question come from? Why do people ask this? Is there a reason? To put it quite broadly and simplistically as possible, yes. And the reason is the fraud conducted by Andrew Wakefield and 12 colleagues. In this podcast, I'm going to discuss the ethical violations surrounding the work published by 13 scientists. Who was involved and what did they publish that was so wrong? What frauds were committed and how were they caught? What were the consequences for the perpetrators and the fallout for the scientific community? All these questions will be answered shortly. First, I must emphasize how important ethical standards are in science. Ethics, by definition, are the moral principles that govern a person's behavior or the conducting of an activity. Ethical conducts are important to science for several reasons, including ensuring the reliability of research results and the safety of research subjects. As we will discuss later, neither of these were upheld by the Wakefield research team. There are several core principles in scientific ethical standards that are essential for guiding scientific research. I will outline them now briefly and then later on in greater detail as these points become relevant to the story. Here are the seven points outlined by Vision Learning. One, honesty in reporting the scientific data. Two, careful transcription and analysis of scientific results to avoid error. In other words, being meticulous in order to avoid mistakes. Three, independent analysis and interpretation of results that is based on the influence of results, not what you or anyone else wants the results to be. Four, open sharing of methods, data, and interpretations through publication and presentation. This is so we can see how the results were gathered and if it was reliable. Five, Sufficient validation of results through replication and collaboration with peers. This is to make sure your conclusions actually have some basis. Six, proper crediting of sources of information, data, and ideas. This one calls upon the word that haunts all university students, plagiarism. I swear, sometimes it's scary not to reference your own opinions sometimes. Seven, 
moral obligations to society in general, and in some disciplines, responsibility in weighing the rights of human and animal subjects. I'll leave this here for now before I start droning on about ethics for too long and start sounding like Cheaty from The Good Place. Now I want to talk about who was involved in the Wakefield study and what these scientists were trying to show in their article published in The Lancet. Part 1. The Background In 1998, a team of 13 doctors and researchers published a study in the UK attempting to link the measles, mumps, and rubella, or MMR, vaccine to developmental regression and intestinal symptoms. Andrew Wakefield, a general surgeon from the United Kingdom, was the main author of the study and the main player in this fraudulent game. At the time of the publication, Wakefield was a surgeon at the Royal Free Hospital in London and was a lecturer and honorary consultant at the Royal Free and University College of Medicine. There are other players involved, but I will discuss them as they become relevant. So let's talk for a minute about what Wakefield's study entailed, including their methods and ethical approvals. Heavy air quotes on the ethical approval. An interpretation of results. The study was on a group of 12 children between the ages of 3 and 10. These children were referred, air quotes on referred, to a pediatric gastroenterology unit with a history of normal development, followed by a loss of acquired cognitive skills, such as language, paired with diarrhea and abdominal pain. I take this moment to emphasize the study claims that these patients were not recruited but were admitted into the hospital the normal way through the NHS, which is the UK National Health Service. Nine of the 12 children were diagnosed with autism, and several tests were performed, including MRIs, EEGs, ileocolonoscopies, biopsy samplings, and lumbar punctures, which we will address again later. In order to gauge environmental influences, Wakefield recorded the children's histories of immunizations from their primary physicians and asked the parents, yes, the parents, this should be a red flag, do the children have any symptoms? When did the symptoms start? Many of the parents said they felt that there was a relationship between their children's developmental issues and the MMR vaccine, which was introduced to the UK in 1988. The parents claimed they remembered the vaccine, specifically the MMR vaccine, around the time that the children's symptoms began. Wakefield reported this in the public study, establishing a relationship between vaccine and autism based on the parents' recollections. So what was the mechanism that would connect three seemingly unrelated and common conditions, gut inflammation, autism, and vaccines? Wakefield's explanation relied heavily on the opioid axis theory of autism that proposes that autistic disorders result from the incomplete breakdown and excessive absorption of gut-derived peptides. These peptides would allegedly impact the central nervous system opioids, leading to a disruption in brain development. Wakefield proposed the MMR vaccine caused the gut inflammation and that would allow the proteins to leave the gut and affect the brain. In a very simplified summary, 
Wakefield proposed that the vaccine was causing gut inflammations so that some mystery protein taken in through food is able to cross the gut due to inflammation and affect the developing brain, causing autism. Now, before we get into investigations on this study, I want to address a couple of major problems with Wakefield's idea. One, some of the patients reported having autism symptoms before the gut symptoms. This puts a dent in Wakefield's theory as it is based on the idea that the gut symptoms cause the neurological symptoms. Two, Wakefield never actually specifies the mystery protein, and to this day no one has found any proteins that would explain what Wakefield has suggested. Even though the study had an incredibly small sample size, an uncontrolled design, and was based largely upon speculation, the paper received wide publicity. Why had this study contracted so much attention? First, this study applied to autism, a developmental condition with increasing diagnoses over the last several years. We know a large part of the reason for this increase is increased awareness. We know about the condition, so we talk about it more, and we're more likely to bring it out with doctors to be diagnosed. But that explanation doesn't answer the question of what causes it, and many families were excited to finally have an explanation for why their child had autism. Second, the speculations of the paper created fear, especially since the findings were published in a reputable medical journal. Parents were concerned about the risk of autism and the implications of the study. Part 2. The Fraud over the next several years, Wakefield's study gathered a large amount of attention and triggered a cascade of epidemiological studies on the relationship between the MMR vaccine, gut inflammation, and autism. These studies found a total of absolutely no evidence linking the MMR vaccine with autism. And yes, that includes a Finnish study of 1.8 million children in which there was not a single case of vaccine-associated autism. With study after study failing to replicate the Wakefield studies, it begs the question, how were these results even found in the first place? The answer is simple, fraud. You know when your computer freezes and you keep clicking the buttons even though you know you shouldn't, then the computer unfreezes and everything happens at once? That's essentially what 2004 was like when the Wakefield fraud investigation. A key player in exposing the fraud in the Wakefield study was Brian Deere, who was essentially the entire Scooby-Doo gang packed into one investigative journalist that worked for the Sunday Times, a British newspaper. Deere published two major conflicts of interest in the Wakefield study in February and November of 2004. First, Deere found that in 1996, a group of lawyers who were hoping to sue the MMR vaccine manufacturers on the UK's Legal Aid Board paid £55,000 to fund the Wakefield study. This is a case in scientific ethics where the scientist's source of funding creates a bias in their work. Generally, scientists are supposed to acknowledge their funding sources. 
However, Wakefield did not do so. Following this revelation, the UK General Medical Council charged Wakefield with serious professional conduct, including dishonesty for not disclosing the source of the funding. And this was before Deere also found out that the lawyers responsible for the MMR lawsuit had also paid Wakefield personally over £435,000 and that some other royal free doctors were also paid. The second revelation made by Brian Deere later in that year was that Wakefield filed a patent on a vaccine that would have been a competitor to the MMR vaccine in 1997, a year before the research was published. This is also not disclosed. This is a major conflict of interest. If he's doing a study on one vaccine and manipulating information to show that it is dangerous and causes autism, he is setting his alternative up so nicely for profit. Of course, this creates significant bias that violates independent analysis and interpretation of results as Wakefield's patent and payoff were external resources influencing the interpretation of the study. Wakefield had significantly failed scientific ethics, which calls for honesty and integrity in all stages of scientific procedure. Less than 24 hours before Deere's initial publishing in 2004, Richard Horton, who was the editor of The Lancet, the paper in which Wakefield's study was published, released a public statement that Wakefield's research was fatally flawed and said that he believed the paper would never have made it past peer reviewers if they had been made aware of Wakefield's conflicts of interest. Why does Richard Horton matter? Well, as the editor of The Lancet, he would have been one of the first people to encounter the results of the research. Although this is the case, they are limited in what actions they can take when they encounter scientific misconduct. The role of the editors is to pass on the accusations to the relevant authority or employer. In this case, Horton did this and attempted to dissociate the Lancet from this fraud. One month after the statement by Richard Horton and the revelations of Wakefield's conflict of interest, 10 of the 12 co-authors of the Wakefield study issued a retraction of the interpretation of the original data, as they believed the paper's conclusions were inappropriate. The 10 co-authors stated in the retraction, We wish to make it clear that in this paper, no causal link was established between the MMR vaccine and autism, as the data was insufficient. So, clearly, at this point, even most of the co-authors realized that something fishy was going on. From 2007 and 2010, the General Medical Council, also known as the GMC, investigated the researchers in the Wakefield study. Who is the General Medical Council? They are essentially a group of doctors and community members that review any sort of unethical behavior done by a doctor and make decisions on whether that person can continue to practice medicine. So the GMC reviewed documents by Brian Deere and their own investigative findings. Their findings of fraud can be revealed that Wakefield had been, one, dishonest, two, had financial interest, three, 
negligent, and four, unskilled. Let's break this down a little bit. First, we are going to talk about his dishonesty. There are actually several parts under this topic. In regards to the patients, he had lied when he said the parents were randomly admitted into the study. In reality, the patients were recruited for the study. In fact, the lawyers Wakefield was working with put him in touch with patients that had parents interested in suing the MMR vaccine manufacturer. His descriptions in the Lancet papers and questions after publication about what ailments the children had and when those ailments were observed relative to getting vaccinated was also deemed dishonest and irresponsible. And here's a big one for dishonesty as well. He did not actually get any ethical clearance from the hospital for the study. He lied about getting cleared by the ethical board. Second, he had significant financial interest. Well, obviously the fact that he was paid directly. Also the fact that he had a patent on a competitive vaccine and a company that sold what is called Transfer Factor, which is a product that was marketed to people who were looking for an alternative to the MMR vaccine. Third, he was negligent. The GMC directly stated that Wakefield showed callous disregard for any distress or pain the children might suffer. You might note, if you look up Andrew Wakefield today, that he now has a book published, Callous Disregard, referencing this statement. There are several instances in the study in which he was negligent, but I'm going to point out a huge one. He performed three lumbar punctures on kids that did not need them. It is an invasive procedure that involves a needle in the spine to collect cerebral spinal fluid. Four, he was considered unskilled. Now, what does that mean? It means he was not a pediatrician. He did not have the qualifications or training to be making clinical decisions for these children. Now, before we get into the consequences that Wakefield faced, I want to mention that even more information came to light in 2011, when the hospital records on the 12 children were released. The pathologists who looked at the children's intestines from the biopsies had said and written down very different results than what was reported in the Wakefield study. Some of the kids actually had completely normal intestines. But Wakefield lied about that. Another issue, too, was that Wakefield changed the reported dates of symptoms to better fit his idea. If a parent reported a symptom that didn't align with his idea, he would change the date so it better fit in the study. And that is on being sketchy. So, in summary of the findings of Brian Deere and the GMC, we will compare his violations to the core principles for scientific research as outlined by vision learning. One, honesty in reporting of scientific data. Well, one of the findings was dishonesty. I think that speaks for itself. Two, careful transcription and analysis of scientific results to avoid error. This is where the actual results from the pathologist did not align with what Wakefield reported. 
Three, independent analysis and interpretation of results that is based on data, not on the influence of external resources. We saw that Wakefield was extremely biased and had several conflicts of interest, including his own patent and company. Four, open sharing of methods, data, and interpretations through publication and presentation. Well, at this point, we know he lied about his data and his methods. Five, sufficient validation of results through the publication and collaboration with peers. I think the retraction of 10 of 12 of his co-authors pretty much sums this one up. And the final one, moral obligations to society in general and responsibility in weighing the rights to test subjects, which is one of the charges that he was negligent towards the children in the study. The rights of the test subjects were not upheld. Part three, the consequences. What were the professional consequences for Wakefield throughout this series? On May 24, 2010, the GMC panel found Wakefield guilty of serious professional misconduct on four counts of dishonesty and 12 involving the abuse of developmentally challenged children. So they ordered him to be struck off the United Kingdom Medical Register, which was the harshest sanction that the GMC is able to impose. This effectively ended his career as a physician because once removed in one country, it is extremely difficult to work in any other country. So essentially, he was unable to practice medicine, even surgery, which was his formal training, anywhere in the world. The GMC claimed that Wakefield had damaged the public perception of the medical community so no sanction short of ending his career would be appropriate. Unfortunately, he didn't face any criminal charges and continues to dispel mistruths about vaccines and has become an anti-vax icon in the United States and has even published books. But what about the other authors? After all, this study wasn't written alone. What were the consequences for the other researchers on the team? The GMC panel was clear that Wakefield alone wrote the final version of the paper. For the most part, his co-authors seemed to be unaware of what Wakefield was doing under the cover of their names and reputations. But according to the British Medical Journal, all the authors failed in their duties. They had a responsibility to ensure neither party had been duped by fraud. The findings of research misconduct depends mainly upon three requirements. There must be a significant departure from the accepted practices of the relevant research community. The misconduct must be committed intentionally or knowingly or recklessly. And the allegations must be proved by preponderance of evidence. The co-authors that retracted were not charged under these conditions. The only two that were charged by the GMC were John Walker Smith and Simon March. However, pinning wrongdoings on the co-authors was rather difficult in comparison to Wakefield, as it was difficult to prove exactly how much the other researchers were aware of the fraudulent activities. 
Thus, Simon Murch was found not guilty. John Walker Smith was found guilty of serious professional misconduct and struck off the medical register as Wakefield had been. However, even that decision had been reversed on an appeal to the High Court in 2012. In 2010, the Lancet finally retracted the original paper after the hearing and the British Medical Journal published a series of articles on the exposure of the fraud while raising concerns that the expose was the work of investigative journalism rather than academic vigilance by the research community. Unfortunately, much of the damage had already been done. Despite the time and money spent all over the world by scientists and organizations to disprove the scientific fraud, many people still hold steadfast by Wakefield's fraudulent results. Before the Wakefield fraud, vaccines were pretty well accepted by the public, but the results of Wakefield's fraudulent paper were latched onto by anti-vaccine activists. Activists stoked fears of the supposed adverse effects of the MMR vaccine caused a drop in vaccination rates, which resulted in an increase of outbreaks of measles in the UK, USA, Germany, and other developed countries as parents across the world refused to vaccinate their children out of fear of autism, choosing instead to expose their children to the risks of disease and the well-documented complications that accompany them. Measles outbreaks in the UK in 2008 and 2009, as well as cases in the USA and Canada, were attributed to the non-vaccination of children. The controversy surrounding vaccines is purely involving a widespread misunderstanding of science by a vocal minority. Not only did this study impact vaccination rates and the spread of preventable disease, but also had negative effects on the autistic community. This scar caused innumerable amounts of energy, efforts, and money to be diverted away from efforts to understand the actual causes of autism and how to help children and families who live with it. These repercussions show the profound effects the publication of an alarming, fraudulent scientific paper can have when published in a prestigious medical journal and strikes fear into the public. There is a reason why ethics exists in scientific research. Scientists who publish their research have an ethical responsibility to ensure the highest standards on their work, including design, data collection, analysis, reporting, and interpretation of findings. There can be no compromises. As we saw with Wakefield's fraud, any deceits can result in harm to patients and to the cause of science. When scientific ethics are violated, it weakens the public's trust in the scientific community. We see this now. It doesn't take a scientist to see the vast amounts of misinformation spreading about the pandemic we're currently trapped in. The amount of fear-mongering by anti-vaccine conspiracy theorists fuel the flames of distrust in the scientific community. In my opinion, the Wakefield study was one of the most damaging frauds in scientific history. So damaging that in the midst of a global pandemic, 
with a death toll of over one and a half million people and potentially severe health effects. There are people who oppose the potential vaccine because they are afraid of vaccine injury. A fear originally instilled by the work of Andrew Wakefield. 